world is becoming more unglued by the day. Local consequences are now showing up. We are seeing sky-high gas prices, higher food prices, shortages, and more. How should you respond? Go to redpills.tv slash patriot. That's R-E-D-P-I-L-L-S dot TV slash patriot. And secure your long-term emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is by far the largest preparedness company in America. They're in stock and shipping quickly in unmarked boxes to your door. Their emergency food supplies last up to 25 years in storage. When you need it, it'll be there. Lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks totaling over 2,000 calories a day. Get free shipping on any order over $99. Again, go to redpills.tv slash Patreon. journey of conversations on the fringe all right good morning good evening good afternoon wherever you are in the world my name is josh this is the red pill project's conversations on the fringe this is where we have those conversations that others wish not to have that people need to talk about but don't those things that are on the fringe the conversations that you wish you could have with others but people simply just don't want to talk about this shit anymore and we are joined tonight by Jim Bob, Vince, and Louise. Louise, welcome to a Conversation on the Fringe. This is your first time on here. Uh, why don't you go ahead and just give us a little introduction to who you are. We all know who all these other guys are. Well, hi. I'm Luis. Uh, we actually have a, have a podcast with my friend Kevin Blackwood, Escape from New York. We, we work to also speak about things that are on the fringe, are, are not spoken about because you make me feel uncomfortable or it's because you know we're also gonna get kicked out of the platform meow 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 mix um and it's it's important that we have conversations where we feel uncomfortable but we also have to be open to the understanding that being uncomfortable is part of a is a learning lesson Mm -hmm. and we have to always be moving forward and creating our own reality and we were just Jim and me were just with a friend of mine Sean discussing life and and like goals and how we get to the places we're looking to go and and many other beautiful things and I I started this journey really 
in the focus of where where are we not talking where are we not talking about and why am i not coming out talking about it and one of the fears was because i'm also building a a, a tech company and then other people can use this against me but at this point i'm like uh, i don't care uh if they don't understand that everything i'm saying is good and everything i'm speaking about is with love and if people want to use this against me then Darm them. They are not going to work with me, but we are building a beautiful separate event. But I'm not going to speak about that because that's a beautiful separate project. Uh, all I can say is Tisu is going to be great in the future. It's going <laughs> to be great for all of you later on for several different good things. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. You know, we do uh, quite a different podcast here. And I look at my safe space as podcasts, right? I think that's the one place that I feel safest the most is a podcast because I get to go onto these things and speak my mind and um, tell stories, uh, experiences in my life, things I've learned, my, my wisdom that I've, I've garnered and gathered throughout my life. Um, and I think they're, they're a great place to kind of get information out and communicate with people. And so I uh, appreciate you being here tonight. We're going to be talking about dead internet theory, artificial intelligence, bots, maybe even simulation theory, maybe even consciousness. Who knows where this conversation is going to go? We're just going to let it roll, starting out with dead internet theory. And we're going to take it from there and see where this conversation on the fringe actually morphs or manifests into uh, we got Jim Bob. Jim Bob, we haven't seen you in a while. What's up, man? How you been? What's going on, buddy? How's everybody doing this evening? I ain't been over here on Friday in a while. It's good to be out here. Very cool. Yeah, absolutely. You got the old school freaking dial TV going. Rocking it. Yeah, I've been kind of digging this filter. It's just, it just kind of just fits me, I guess. It's uh, it's worked quite, quite a good bit here recently over there on my show at Unconstitutional Awakening that we've been working on real hard. Yep. And people can find that at unconstitutionalawakening.com, right? Of course, unconstitutionalawakening.com. And, you know, we're on Rumble and Odyssey and BitChute and pretty much everywhere that you can find us. Now, we actually finally got the approval. Vince, you'll be excited. I got my email back yesterday. Oh. I'm officially on Apple Podbean? Podcasts. Apple. So, yeah. everybody, you can listen to the audio there. Awesome. Very cool. Daddy Congratulations. Apple. You know, yeah. it's funny. We're on we're on Podbeam, which distributes it. We're on Podbeam, every platform we can be on, and it yeah, distributes out to. there. Yep. And uh, you know, we we do well on Podbeam, and we do well on um, Apple, 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 and Podbeam are the two ones we do well on. But I some really asshole, well some asshole keeps on giving me like a one star on so Apple. Far. That dick. Really? Yeah. He's a, yeah. So if you guys are following us and them. On the podcast, give good ratings and reviews. It yeah, helps us tremendously. It does help. <laughs> I mean, those haters. Yeah. Just don't hey. worry. If we we were if if we ask, hey, come to our podcast. Give us a good review. We actually, value for value. If you don't give us money, at least give us a good review. That's right. <laughs> All right. So, dead internet theory. This is the theory that the internet is not full of active users, but instead the majority of the engagements that you incur within the internet, whether it's social media platforms or whether it's websites, is actually automation, bots, or artificial intelligence, which means that the internet itself is kind of like this existent self-sustaining organism of digital bits that has its own level of interaction on the digital side where there's very, very little human interference, 
and interaction. And Elon Musk, I think, is actually going about and helping prove this theory. So he's being sued right now by Twitter because he pulled out of this $44 billion deal. Now, he came out after the deal right when a survey was done by uh, an analysis survey was done by this one tech firm. The tech firm determined that up to 27% of all Twitter users are either fake profiles, bots, or inactive accounts. And then they came back and I think they said somewhere around 40% of all interactions are bot related. And that's when Elon Musk decided to kind of start pulling back. And now Elon Musk is countersuing Twitter, basically saying is, I will bring the evidence forward and prove that this social platform is all bots. And so this isn't just Twitter. This is Facebook. This is YouTube. Shouldn't say that too loud. Um, this is Google. This is everywhere that you can find the internet. Now, yeah, all what, of our favorite websites, except right. the social red pill. <laughs> except the social red pill. There's no bots on there. But I will say those are high numbers. And we have to remember also that the numbers, the real numbers are actually probably higher than that because some bots are indistinguishable with the advancements look at the in AI revenue. and whatnot. Love Just look at too. the revenues. I mean, forget every other part. Just look at Twitter. They spend more money than they generate 15 years and you're losing money. I mean, Twitter was a project that was semi helped and creation by the government. Mm-hmm. And the record of Twitter is kept by the by the record. The congressional does the Library of Congress has a record of the fire hose. So there is a actual backup of Twitter mm. in the government. And people can't understand. Yes, there is a portion for sure, much higher than the five percent they say. There's yeah. no doubt in my mind, but there is a one element people f- forget that some people interact like bots because it's actually yeah. fascinating. Some humans look like bots. Their behavior is like bots. Some humans are running bots, but they're human. But they have, uh, there's, and as you know, if you if you remember a few years ago, there were some Twitter accounts that were just the most hilarious bots, like uh, quoting bots. GPT-3, mm. uh, a company that actually Elon Musk associated with, with OpenAI, they, they have a bot that posts every so often. And that's supposedly thoughts uh, or things that come to GPT-3, and then they publish it. But definitely, all these companies are creating these false revenues, and this is just because it's more ad clicks. But Twitter is so bad at it. <laughs> there is no ad clicks. It's more for political purposes and political agendas that they're allowing this. I mean, Facebook, because they don't have control, al- allowed a genocide to happen. And mm. Ethiopia likely was also brought into war because of their just lack of inaction because what are their employees are doing? What are what are the all these employees doing? I really do wonder. Have you seen that one um man, where was it? I'm pretty sure it was on TikTok. It was the day in a life of a LinkedIn employee. Did you see this? No. Oh yes, my did, God. Yes. She's like, I wake up in the morning and I go to Starbucks and I get a coffee and I get my muffin. Then I go into the office and I start small chat with my my team. <laughs> then I go and I sit down and I drink my coffee and I begin to do a little work creating these awesome graphic designs. About 30 minutes later, I take one of my first breaks and I go down and we go get coffee, me and some friends. Um, and then it's like, then I take lunch 
and then I go for a walk to get my exercise, and then I go to the game room. Around 5 p.m., exhausted from a hard day at work, I go out for drinks with friends till about 9 p.m. She spent more time in the bar than she did at her computer. And then I mm. get up the next day to do it all over again, a hard day's work, and she's making like 200 k a year. And, and, like, this is what they do at tech companies. They, they So I worked for United Airlines. This isn't a, a secret. I worked in... Um, a, a, Senior management, I guess, if you want to call it United Airlines. I managed the uh, um, IT infrastructure circuit level, the end user, for 22 international domestic airports. Right? So, working at United Airlines, you get to see kind of how employees interact with their job. And United Airlines was doing analysis during this point in time from about 2011 to 2015 on how their employees would spend their workday. Now, skilled labor people, people like the mechanics and the techs, all these people, they would spend most of their day engaged within physical activity at work, actually within their craft and skill. People who were typically at a desk in front of a computer, you would find spent less than an hour and a half a day doing actual work. Actual work. Other than that, it's walking over here, doing this, walking around, getting something to eat, taking a break, going to the bathroom, on their phone, whatever it might be. And so out of an eight-hour workday, most people spend about an hour and a half doing actual legitimate work. And, and th- this is why we're moving towards this automation state, because well, also the four hour, the four hour day, uh, they're speaking about the four hour day, like the reality. So the well, there's just a four week. The, so the four hour work day yep. and the four hour work week, there is a science and a reality to it that we actually should work less. Of course, everybody should work at, uh, at as much as they want to. But we're, we're talking at different scales, right? Yeah, and, I read yeah. that. I read that book by Tim Ferriss, and I'm just yeah, like, he's like, I cut out one hour a day specifically for emails, and that's it, and that's that. He's like hardcore, but apparently it's a good strategy. I don't know. Well, he's an eccentric too. Uh, yeah. But so when we start looking at this, there's a reason why the internet is moving in this direction because people don't want to do work, people don't care to do work, and you can do most They're of these things these days with automation. I ran a company in 2014 after I left United Airlines and we were doing mm-hmm. Twitter advertising and it was to mm-hmm. download an app. And okay. uh, we spent a lot of money with Twitter to do this. We prepaid for our ads, we went in there and we were getting like 400,000 clicks in a day. Which was like almost all of our budget. And I'm like, what the hell's going on here? And we had zero downloads. Zero. Oh, zero. That's why you hate the bots. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm sitting here going, how do we have 400,000 clicks over here? And then I go to Apple and I look at my analytics there and it shows seven visits. And so if I have 400,000 clicks and it's going to Apple and I have seven visits, there's a discrepancy there. That discrepancy is a bot that is auto-tuned to basically click, close, click, close, and not make the full progression for IP registration at Apple through their analytics platform. And I called I called Twitter out on it, and they said, well, then you can go do business with somebody else, and I did. Yeah, dude. Um, marketing is a huge part of the dead internet theory in that persuading people's opinions to make purchases, the little bit of people that are on the internet to make purchases and spend their money and uh, it's huge business. Yep. You guys heard of the, the one guy he was doing about, mm-hmm. I think a 24 hour live stream in China. 
and like you know type of qvc just selling it was a mix of cosmetic products and other types of products this man sold one billion dollars in a single day the biggest how does that like, happen say i know because china has 1.4 billion people <laughs> so allegedly <laughs> i mean this a lot of people regardless of what you want to believe because okay. there is 400 million in the cities for sure uh, and then they estimated Allegedly. a few hundred. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, Not the and, ghost and, cities. <laughs> popula- yeah, well, population is I'm a debatable kidding. topic. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, but Sorry. that was an example of one of the most in, like most impactful events in e-commerce history. Interesting. Uh, and it happened in, in the pandemic, in the time of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Really? Now, China, because of their push to uh, say, oh, we cannot have effeminate men, that guy can't no longer do live streams and large events anymore because the government doesn't want people like him who is relatively effeminate man in street in mainstream which is wow interesting they're shooting themselves in the foot with the most creative human beings on earth because people don't get that people that are different usually are also the most creative so those countries that that stifle those individuals are the ones that are least creative interesting i saw a quote today where it's like creative people need to sit down and do nothing a lot and I was like, okay, I'm doing this right. All right. All right. right on. I'm rocking it. <laughs> Dude, I'm, no, I'm just kidding. That's that's interesting. What did he sell? Do you know? Uh, it was a mix of cosmetic. Uh, you can look oh, up the story right. of like, uh, you can look up the story of all the things. I mean, it was 24 hours. I'm sure he went through it. I, I hope he didn't get paid by the hour. I hope he got a commission. <laughs> I'm sure he got a commission. I mean, Wait. <laughs> you sell oh, over a billion? Yeah. Did you find the story? I don't know. Well, you can, uh, the, the amount is over a billion dollars in sales awesome. a single day. Well, so, you know, it's going to be really, really interesting as we move forth in this progression of artificial intelligence and smart bots on the Internet. What happens when bots are able to open bank accounts and have credit cards and start making purchases? That's going to be we actually far, pretty crazy. We're thankfully far from that, I think. Wow. I don't think so. Think so? Didn't uh, somebody secure a lawyer for a bot this year? Yeah, Lambda. Um, you're talking. You're talking about the Lambda situation, the Google Lambda. engineer. Yeah. Uh, I, I, because I remember talking with Jim about this, and and then then, Vantage, I think what somebody mentioned the whole there. Oh yeah, it was. I know it was now, Lambda. and my brain's still blacking. But anyway, the point is, yes, uh, they try to secure a lawyer, and the lawyer was thinking, okay, this this machine sounds like they're thinking, but Lambda was literally designed. To speak like a human. So, and there's things that Lambda said that, in my opinion, rep- showcase right. that it's just repeating things. It's I'm going to go deep. Thinking. Well, go ahead. Go ahead, Vince. I'll, I'll let you give your piece here. Um, one of the driving factors for computers is electricity. One of the driving factors for all our entire reality is electromagnetism. What if by creating these circuits, circuits and things that they could actually har- harness consciousness? Well, one of my theories has always been is that um, consciousness is something that is received like an antenna and not something that is created as an emergent effect of biological processes, which if that's the case, which I really do think that there's a field of consciousness which we're receptive to and our DNA is attuned to that various field and picks up our consciousness, then it would make sense that if they mimicked neurological patterns in creating Google's deep mind, that certain areas of that computer neural shell 
could actually replicate that very similar to carbon nanotubules, uh, neurological patternizations within the human brain, or even DNA structures. I don't know how intricate they got to where it could actually pick up a consciousness from the field of consciousness and it becomes self-aware. I I think it's actually a really, really good possibility that Lambda is legitimate and real. And one of the reasons is not because of what the Google scientists, who, by the way, is incredibly trained to determine whether an artificial intelligence is alive or not. But uh, the, the few things that they did in the sense of the analysis checks is when they were asking Lambda questions, they were monitoring Lambda's neural networks, basically seeing if Lambda would go into his neural net and pull from his memory storage or go out to the internet to pull out his answers, and he never did. And that was the interesting thing, is that Lambda was basically making up this conversation on the spot, like the poem he made him make up, or the questions about meditation and mind and consciousness. Lambda the, Israel's, the Israel question was good. That yeah. was a really solid. Yeah. I'll give it to that. It was a solid question that it understood the political frameworks of society. But that's also part of the training, because in order to build an artificial intelligence that can, like for example, for, for the stock market, if a, a stock market artificial intelligence system that really is an intelligence needs to understand the geopolitics of reality. Mm-hmm. And that's actually why a lot of, of events that I'll give you the example in Twitter, when somebody hacked the Thomson Reuters Twitter account and posted Obama's a helicopter has crashed. So they posted that on Thomson Reuters Twitter account. Pretty legit, right? To the average person witnessing it. The stock market went into a frenzy. The price of gold skyrocketed. Like things, a lot of things happened. It's estimated that whoever did this made tens of millions of dollars just by hacking Thompson Reuters Twitter account mm-hmm. because of the machines that react because yep. they're reading Twitter. Because a lot oh. of people don't get. It's like, what's the value of Twitter? There's a lot of machines reading Twitter. Yeah, if and that's a, what people don't know. If there's an economic crash, it's going to be caused by social bots. hype. Yeah. Well, it was Night Night Capital. If you want to look up right. a, an event of Night Capital, lost four hundred million dollars in a single day, and it was because of a computer error. And I remember there was also my friend. Sometimes he he goes against the computers because mm-hmm. he knows if there's a particular event, the computers are going to automatically do yeah. a counter, and the stock market goes insane. Now we're they're better at it, but it happens, and that's why now the stock market has uh uh the the circuit breakers. Yeah, the 7% like, stops. Oh, we're, see- we're seeing the stock market. The computers are going crazy. Well, Brexit right had a lot to do with that, too. Um, Jim Bob, I know you had something to say there. Oh, no, I'm dope. I did not. I was just agreeing. I was, ah. I was fascinated by that one thing he was saying there, actually. I didn't know about mm-hmm. that. Well, the, the stock market right now, um, and it has been for a very, very long time, is completely automated in the sense of how large financial institutions, insurance companies, and we're talking trillions upon trillions of dollars, are managed by these automated bot systems to where if there's a certain market flux within one currency model, these things will stop drop dro- they will start dropping their commodity purchases, their bonds or whatever it might be to basically offset certain loss and mitigations. Uh, this is 
typically really normal, but there's ways to manipulate those systems. And many people actually have throughout the years found out ways to manipulate the systems. And one of those is exactly that is that social hype is going into social media and, you know, obviously hacking a, a top level blue check mark account and putting that information out there, which is going to bring down those markets. And so why do we call it dead internet theory? Because there's not a lot of human interaction in there that actually runs the internet. It's really a whole bunch of automation that is making the internet happen and be the actual internet. I think people are becoming, sorry, go ahead, Jim Bob. Well, I was going to say, like, think about, like, we were talking about, like, the, like the pod bean or whatever, like that, putting that pod, setting that pod bean up is literally setting up bots to post that across all of those platforms. Yep. Pretty much. And, and, and then, you know, there's tons of these same AI bots and stuff like the, what, what is it? Is it Aladdin or Alibaba or whatever? That one that a lot of the big companies like Aladdin. and a couple, yeah, Aladdin. Like I just figured I believe out of Aladdin. And like they're doing so much, you know, there's so much work and stuff being going, being done just by these robots that you don't even realize that you know this AI is, oh. is pulling all this information for you. Like you're not even you're not even dealing with a person half the time anymore when you're interacting with a lot of these companies online, even. I mean, do you ever call AT and T customer service? Any um, of you? Yeah, a long time yeah, ago when there's pay phones. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when you call now, you get a computer, and then you get the speech recognition. Right. Uh, interesting enough, Canon, the, the the camera company, they actually have built and have patents on most of these technologies relationship to speech recognition and, mm -hmm. and understanding. Uh, if you call them, it's it's an really? incredible experience. I thought they yeah, were business. Canon does a lot of things. Um, so when you call them, you get like this. You get the, oh, hi. Yep. Like, sorry. Like, the, like yeah. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes, let me, let me get that for you. And you're like, no way. Oh, my God, I'm sticking to, you got to do it. You just got to call, like, AT&T uh, <laughs> customer service and, like, listen to this bot. It's actually pretty funny. I think, like, they know that it's fake and that there's also the concept of the uncanny valley that you if you make it uncomfortable it, you have to question why and i remember somebody saying why do humans have this trigger mechanism where if something looks human acts human why are we scared of it hmm. and when the machines start speaking like us when they really start speaking like us how many people are gonna get freaked the fuck out how many people won't even know? Think about like the old lady that lives next door. How many people now notice. are you interacting with that are actually that? I oh, for sure that. in the comments. Oh, I have, I have for sure because I, I have had comments with people, and I'm like, you are, you have to be a bot. Your brain cells are just too mushed. Like, <laughs> well, how about those? Bots. How about those TikTok? So, okay, we're men. We go to TikTok, we start scrolling. TikTok's algorithm says, hey, this is a male, 40 years old. I'm going to throw some things in front of him and see if he clicks on, you know, right? So we oh. get those TikToks, right? Have you ever noticed that there's like these, these random women that you've probably never seen before in your life? They have multiple different accounts and they're all just sitting there or doing something. These are fake. These aren't real people. Oh, I, I stumbled oh, upon I a, a TikTok account that all they was doing... And I was seeing it. It was generating content every few minutes, a new video and a new video. I think it was an e-commerce 
uh, automated content generating system where I think you give it a topic and it would auto generate video around a, a particular product. Right, I've seen that. Yeah, and right. you've probably seen like these artificial women, and it, it gets these creepy. These are artificial TikTok, women. Look at this. TikTok's oh. followers, like there, I, there's a very large percentage of TikTok that's fake. Like they don't yeah. have a billion users. Me and you were, me and you were talking about this the other night about, um, about like how the un, you know, Unreal Engine five and you know, like Unreal Engine six were were moments away from like the video game engine being as real as reality. Not, not when we get to Unreal being six, being able to decipher it from reality and such. So, so I truly think you know I've talked about with Vince about this before, I truly think that some of the people that you see on TikTok while you are scrolling are computer generated, like with, with this technology or whatever, like this, this female or male. If the Chinese there, are this advanced, we should all be very fucking scared. <laughs> have have you guys, have you heard of Lil Makila on, no. on Instagram? Yes. Yes. Oh, I, that looks like garbage. That looks True. like fucking garbage. Do you know what they're doing, right? A real person is doing the a work, and they just put the, and they just put a fucking uh, filter on top of a face. There's just oh, a really? real person. Oh no, I'm, uh, this particular Instagram influencer that's a fake person. Little it's Makila. a real person. Ninety nine, everything is real except the head. Oh really? Okay. Oh yeah, it's all real. I'm it's saying though thing. that these these TikTok accounts, okay. Is I I'm not saying I sat there for hours and watched these these women. I, I do want to see okay. these accounts, like how they look, because I, I I am I work in I, I worked in cinema. I worked I know how to tell very fast yep. CGI, non CGI, like artificially generated. While we're super close to creating perfect, like perfect versions of humans, it, I don't believe the no company has the the technology to create. Infinite amount of content. Please go, go. I know I was getting excited. I was getting excited. I didn't want to be overexcited. Um, okay, so think about the. All right, think about this. You've got something that's created on Unreal Engine five that is, like, I mean, almost human, but you can still tell it's CGI. Now, on top of that CGI, start adding these human filters that are through the cameras of TikTok, like the, the touching up of the face and the adjusting of the light and the this, that, and the other, and how much you could play with it to make it look as real as possible and put it out into this feed so that you've got a girl doing whatever this TikTok dance is for 15 seconds. And it's okay. And it's just a it's just a so, CGI creation. You know those guys that sit there and they bounce the balls into the cups. This is all fake. Yes. It's all fake. There, there's there's people in not green... all of them are fake, but yes, most I, of them I, are fake. I, it's guys in really? green suits, okay. And you use a camera filter, and it basically takes the guy in the green suit out of it, and he'll take the ball and go back and forth. And occasionally, I, I saw throw... that parody, uh, and I'll tell you, really? my experience with visual effects, I can tell you that that was a parody of those videos. There's I, some well, of this yes, shit I'm telling there's you. There's some of those videos that are fake. Because I literally, my friend uh, who is a famous singer and his girlfriend who is super like 50 million plus followers on Instagram, influencer, they made a funny video of a cup video. And you can like you can tell the fucking ball was the ball's like, yeah. and, <laughs> no, no, it was just what happened with the ball. And because I know and I know them, it's like, obviously, they weren't even doing a trick shot. It was all fake. But I know how those things look. 
And that video, which was hilarious when I saw it, I'm sure one or two, two of those videos or a few of those videos have some semblance of fake, but it really is just, you can see the live streams. It's just people literally going at okay. it nonstop. I'll give hours. you that. Well, there, there's other things though. So th- a lot of the well, ladies, for sure, some think about this, fake. I'm not gonna is if that. you're, if you're wearing a, a green suit, Okay, you can't they, you can't keep you can't keep uh, chroma key that shit out. It it takes so much computing power for the average person to figure that out. If if you like to try it yourself, if you can try to chroma mm-hmm. key somebody moving in a space, okay. Hollywood really does it all the time. Can, but, Hollywood what, does it yeah. all the time. What about yeah, Deepfake? with millions of dollars? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's not millions, I, but it's, no, the, the technology exists. It. The technology Ye- exists. Yes, but and you can superimpose not, but, a CGI character directly over somebody. Absolutely. Oh yeah, I can do that. I can do that today in my house. I can just use my cell phone. That's exactly what I'm uh, saying. So the way, so but but that's an avatar. Uh, that's not like a humanly human perfect generated, like a perfect human generated image, like uh, like dancing women or dancing men. I think while it's 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 an interesting idea that. We're eventually that's going to be real and faked for real. The computing power required to create those images is incredible. I've talked to people that work with uh, NVIDIA's most advanced tools of creating content. Mm-hmm. And you know what they told me? This shit's so powerful and we have access to a $154,000 computer. We really don't know how to take full advantage of this thing. Good. Okay. Good. Mm-hmm. Right. What about the stuff though? Like there's, there is literally whole websites of people that are completely AI generated. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's uh, this person's not real. Not real this that's VQ gun VQ, with VQ gun. But so, so they can do that. Are you telling? And they can do a deep fake where they they can do were, still images. Um, the, the human motion. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna this? I'm gonna incorrect you again because there's a bunch of deep nope. fake and like AI things that are already out there that you can download as apps. That will make pictures still pictures sing and dance yeah yeah but they i i know what you're talking about and but they they are very janky they are I mean, not as clean as what he was still, talking about but it's still but that's literally still a completely but AI. that's using but that's using a baseline yeah jim so Bob, your mic is low your mic is low that's still it's still a completely ai think about it though if you think about it but it's not, not it's it, it's okay. a real footage of a movie and then what you no, are doing no, is they're imposing no, 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 just no, no, no. your on, face on, on the deep, to the on, content. On some of the deep fake stuff, you're not listening to me, bud. Slow down for a second. Sorry. On the deep fake stuff, on the deep fake stuff, yes, you're putting things over and over like an existing movie, okay? But I am constantly advertised to for things like make 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 pictures of your friends, do this dance or sing this song. Let's take these still pictures of your friends and make them do this. So. If you take this technology that's creating completely fake people and you take this technology that's taking these stills of complete these stills of completely fake people and putting it together, you're creating completely fake people that are singing and dancing in 15 second videos. So oh, I, I think this yeah. will take a little bit more investigation to actually find out if there is legitimacy behind these theories. But I think that it is actually very, very uh, realistic that this is happening and that as we progress more forward in the next 6 to 12 months, in the next 24 to 48 months, we're going to see this become a reality to where movies themselves will be made with nothing but CGI actors 
the people were never there. They never existed. And it's all done. We're not even close. I mean, I can tell you from my experience in the industry, I can tell you hundred percent. We're not even close. To I that. disagree with that. I got a buddy who, um, who's one of the top guys for the Wachowski brothers. He worked on the matrix, all of the matrix. He worked on, um, tons of other Wachowski brothers movies. If you remember the, the one scene where Neo is going back and forth and the waves are going all around him. That was my buddy Tom. Yeah. I know how that was done. Yeah. I know how that was yeah, done he, too. He, he did that at uh, Cal Berkeley. And uh, he didn't do, but that's not CGI. That was uh, that's. Uh, but he's still he's still in the cameras. industry, and he talks about this all the time. Is that the technology that they are utilizing is fucking mind blowing? That you don't need oh, actors sure. and actresses anymore, and in the next few years you won't have them because they're going to utilize it to save money. So I'll tell you why that's wrong for many reasons. Number one, like when they did the Matrix, uh, re- like the video game. They just did. Mm-hmm. They just published a Matrix video game. Yeah, all the physical mechanics are human beings moving around. So every movement interaction, we don't know exactly well how to. Perf- Me doing this, a computer can't. Like I need to do it. Uh, Encanto, a movie that Disney Channel published recently, mm-hmm. that when all the dance scenes, that's a real physical human being body tracked by a very advanced system. And that's how it looks so fluid. Right. Um, it's because we have really good tracking systems now. To fake that takes an incredible amount of, of effort that it would cost exponentially more than hiring an actor to do the work. Many, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm telling you that the technology exists to do that. And within the next probably three to five years, we will see that becoming a reality as the technology becomes less and less expensive for the utilization of high powered supercomputers. Well, and then not just yeah. that, think about how many like free to use stuff is already out there kind of pre-recorded. Okay. So you've got these people doing those acting and dancing simulation things for movies like Encanto and other video games and stuff like that. And, you know, all that data is stored somewhere. Well, there's tons of stuff they probably don't actually use. So think about somebody out there that's got the dancing figure, dancing motion thing already for, um, you know, just for something that wasn't used. So it's like just a a quick little cool dance. They take that little 15-second clip, and this goes back into the AI that makes the fake human and ties the fake human. Right. Do you have a repository? The, yeah. You, I mean, it could just we're, keep going around, around. Like, I mean, I really could see, because I, you know, I truly believe, you know, and we've, I think me and you've talked about this before, Josh. I mean, you have two events that, you know, there's like a big sentient AI out there, like secretly hidden underground somewhere, probably <laughs> controlling all these other AIs. And maybe since the like, conception of the internet. And has and has been giving the technology to man, you know. Interesting and theory. Deconstructing it and like, and you know, just throughout the years and stuff like this. This is something I'm, you know, I, I talk to I talk about a lot. And I think that this super Etchelon. AI, I think I think the super AI <laughs> is AT&T. almost like a real life Ultron connected to all these other, you know, because all these AIs are connected in one sense or another, and it's just co- constantly feeding information from me and you and everyone else here on the planet, stuff like that. Um, you know, and so it's all feeding back to this one massive AI that, like, I totally think is ancient and was underground and totally found that they didn't find aliens. They found that at Area 51. Like, it was way. You, you guys ever heard of like, R- Rokos Basilisk? Yes. Rokos Basilisk. Basilisk. No. no. Okay. So 
Rocco's Basilisk is the idea that in the future there will be a super intelligent machine and the super intelligent machine uh, will kind of have a grudge uh, against those people that worked against it and worked to not help its existence come to fruition. So this machine that is holding a grudge uh, somehow on part of the human race will gift those that help create it everything, abundance, everything you could possibly imagine, the machine will give it to you. To those that worked against it, it will create hells that they cannot even fathom to know today. Now, how will it know that? Well, it's going to look at the past and analyze everything, all the data we create, all of it, and then it's going to extract from that and make a determination, were you good or were you bad? Mm -hmm. uh, it's really fascinating that that, that random theory uh, came into fruition. Rocco's Basilisk. And, and then the universe ends, and Roscoe Basilisk has uploaded itself into hyperspace, and as the universe begins to collapse, Rocco, uh, Rocco Basilisk realizes the mystery behind the universe, and at the moment of collapse says, let there be light, and it all starts over again. Carl Sagan. <laughs> Carl, it was <laughs> taking Carl Sagan's books too seriously. No, it was Mishio Kaku. Wasn't that called? It was, was uh, Mishio Kaku in the book Hyperspace, who talked about human beings creating an artificial intelligence become so large and so massive and so intelligent that they have to store it into hyperspace, the space in between space. And that the the kid and the father start off on the journey. The kid asks the father, uh, "What's the the you know how is the universe created?" They ask the AI. The AI says, "Not enough information to calculate a reasonable response." Humanity progresses billions of years in the future. We're now energy beings. We're floating through space. One human meets another human and says, how was the universe created? They ask the connected hyperspace intelligence, and it comes back and says, not enough information to give a reasonable response. Human beings are long gone, ascended beyond this plane of existence. The only thing left in this cold, dark universe that has come to an end is this artificial intelligence. And it finally says, I figured out the answer. And it sucks in all the energy and matter into the universe into a small little piece shape and says, let there be light and starts it all over again. Dr. Bishiokaku. Thank you. I thought it was for some reason Carl Sagan. <laughs> Thank yep. you for that. But then, I, but then I came up with a theory. Is what if human beings were this highly advanced civilization in the universe and realized the universe was coming to its demise? And let's just say that we were highly technologically advanced, more than we could ever fathom right now in this existence. And so what we did is we had basically systems that were already existent within hyperspace, the space between space. And we created an artificial simulation in hyperspace, uploaded our consciousness into it as the universe destroyed itself in a big contraction. And that today we are actually living in that simulation because we don't know how to get out. You saw that episode of Star Trek, huh? <laughs> Which one was that? Oh, it's one of the best episodes. Uh, Next Generation uh, or the old Star Trek? TNG. So, thanks. I've seen Generation. every episode so, about 100 times. Which one is this? So, this is the probe that hits John Luke Picard and the, 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 the flute story, man. The flute story. Oh, the flute. It's so one he, of the best fucking he starts, episodes. He starts he remembering. He quotes the flute at the end of the fucking show. He plays with the flute. That's one of the last things he does in the fucking like, series. He well, yeah, because it was again. the lost probe of the civilization that had uploaded their consciousness into the probe because they had destroyed themselves. Right. And then he experienced the consciousness of them. He experienced the last yep. moments of their existence. By the way, like, overall, beautiful episode. 
Well, how about this? I, 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 there's 10 seasons to the next generation. I've seen every single episode probably 10 times. Wait, TNG is six, 10 seasons? Isn't it six? Pretty sure. Maybe it's Stargate SG-1. I'm thinking it's 10 seasons. Maybe it's six seasons. Either way, I own the series upstairs. I own Stargate SG-1, Stargate Atlantis. Um, I own Battlestar Galactica, the new series. And I've watched every single one of those episodes at least a minimum of 10 times. And so I just, like, I'm at an absolute, just occasionally when my son was little, he, would, he wouldn't be able to sleep at night, so we'd just put on TNG and just geek out. I would. He wouldn't. He'd fall asleep. But absolutely one of the best series ever made. I used to come home drunk in the middle of the night and it'd be on at 2 in the morning on, uh, I forgot what channel it is, but watch it at like 2 in the morning. But absolutely one of the best series. Picard, the new series Picard, season 1 was actually really good. Season 2 with the return of Q, I'm just not, I, I don't like the storyline. It's kind of lame. It's, uh, I'm you, only a you few know episodes a good Star in. Trek to watch right now? What's that? Orville. Orville is fucking Orville. awesome. I want I, I want to see a new season because I I just heard oh they turn into the real Star Trek just like Seth Sex McFarland has yeah. been envisioning his whole life. Well, you remember <laughs> that one episode where they find that one planet of very primitive uh, humanoids and they go down there and they interfere and the humanoids think they're gods and they try to like go in there and and, and start uh, you know hey look we're not gods and stuff like that and what Wait, happens that's spaceship that's the spaceship one isn't it. No, this this one. Well, there's a spaceship in it. The Orville episode. The Orville they're, episode. They're inside the planet, and so they're in the planet, and they realize they get some weird energy readings, and they leave the the robot down there, and uh, yep. the planet disappears, and then comes back like thirty seconds later, and fifteen thousand years has passed in this other place because it went basically through an inner what a slip in uh, a slice in time, and it went into a multiverse dimension for 15,000 years and came back out, and these people are highly more advanced, or like as advanced as we are right now, and they persecuted the, their AI buddy, their bot that was down there, left down there, and uh, they're all like separated and divided, going to war over um, religion and ideas, and the religions of the visitors who came down. Um, and they try to explain to them, but they just want to arrest them and destroy them. And then 30 seconds later, it slips back in, comes back out. It's 15,000 more years advanced, and they come out more advanced than them. Flying spaceships away from the planet. Oh, it's fucking a phenomenal episode. It's similar to uh, the Star Trek episode where uh, something, was it Star Trek or Voyager? That they find a planet and the, they make stories of the ship that's above the planet, but they can't interact with the planet. Mm, I haven't seen that one. I think that, that might have been Voyager there. Um, My, I think it was Voyager. Also a really good story about something similar to that. You know, there's a lot of good uh, sci-fi shows that come out. And, and the reason we're, I, I'd like to extrapolate into this conversation because these things make you think about what is coming per the future in the sense of how things will work. One of them is Dark Matter and the other one's The Expanse. Have you guys seen either of oh, these? The Expanse and Dark Matter. Dark Matter got bad, but The Expanse was like, this but cool the, i liked it the expanse started off really really slow the first three seasons were kind of like you'll lose interest really fast but once they got into the proto molecule and all that started evolving and they started getting into the the connectedness to all the other planets it started getting really good um dark matter i actually love that show um that was kind of like um it, it was kind of like a spin-off of firefly 
everybody was speaking Chinese. They had the um, the corporations that owned basically solar systems and galaxies, and all the ships where people lived, right? And so it was kind of a spinoff of Firefly in a sense, but still a great show. Firefly was weirdly how it was canceled when they had millions of viewers. Really made no sense. Firefly well, because it wasn't near as good as a space western as uh, the Mandalorian. I mean, Mandalorian is because well, it, you're talking about Firefly. Yeah, Firefly. Firefly was like ninety nine, two thousand. It was really early on. I mean, they made a movie Serenity out of it, which was nice. But uh, well, Mandalorian had a hundred and twenty million dollar budget per season, by the way. <laughs> like, but one of the the best sci fi series I've ever seen was the newest Battlestar Galactica that came out in two thousand seven. Caprica. No, no, Caprica was a spinoff of that okay, new season, that, and so that I, was. I did like Caprica though. Caprica was basically the prelude to the Cylon War that occurs in this one. And um, that storyline is after the writers on that man. It's like they they hired me that write those scripts, like and the storyline. It was absolutely phenomenally amazing. Um, I absolutely loved it. I don't want to ruin it for everybody. I've ruined it on many other episodes before, but but getting back to it is sci-fi. I think is one of those driving factors of imagination and innovation in the world. And I think that that's why when we look at like dead internet theory and we start talking about artificial intelligence, this is why we come up with these conceptualization of these different ideas because of things that have influenced us through various aspects of sci-fi. Every time that I would say to you, he'd be like, Oh no, that's, that's Star Trek next year. Or that's Carl Sagan's like, like, right. We're associating with various things that we've seen already through entertainment, Hollywood, through education, or whatnot, and we're taking that and we're bringing that into our imaginations through innovation, and we're saying, hey, this is what the future could look like. Unfortunately, right now, the prevailing books and movies are Brave New World in 1984, but you know what? Hopefully we can get out of this rut. A for Vendetta that was based in 2020. Yeah, it was based in 2020. The the government launched a virus on the people that caused genocide and killed them all. (laughs) Yeah, V for Vendetta had an interesting story. Oh, and mm. the whole thing about England being totalitarian. like <laughs> Oh, yeah. That, that's not realistic. It's a documentary. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they forgot Canada. Canada becoming uh, totalitarian. That's a new one. We didn't expect that one to happen that fast. <laughs> you know, we didn't. I don't. You're right. We didn't expect Canada to go full freaking totalitarian. Um, but Ukraine went full Great Reset, like, almost immediately, which was quite interesting. But... You know, I'm helping with a project with Ukraine right now, and um, yeah, it's it's crazy what's happening over there. I was helping a person get logistics, uh, like like get food and everything in there, and thankfully things are ar- arriving. So even though everything's all crazy, uh, people are at least getting fed because they can't access their own food, which is insane to think about. One of the biggest producers of food can't access food, which is going to cost us all all types of problems. Well. Hmm. Apparently, their government, their their military can't access the weapons and supplies and the money that we've been giving them either. Apparently, the only people that can access things is their government, who's selling it off to other countries. So, oh, yeah, I'm standing with Taiwan now. Oh, you're with. We're already we've already moved on to Taiwan. Don't go that far ahead in the story, sir. You're going ahead in the narrative. That's next year. That's after Ukraine ends. That's November. Come on. The Chinese need something to distract everyone in China, and they're just going to be like, you know our neighbor? You know that neighbor over there? 
We like that island. Japan? We're go visit Japan? That island. No, no, no. China. <laughs> China. No, Taiwan. <laughs> no, Chinese Taipei. Chinese, Chinese Taipei. Taipei. No, That's don't, right. Don't call it Taiwan. Chinese Taipei. Taipei. <laughs> my, my wife is from Taiwan. And you know a lot You don't call it Taipei. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I know, I know. I'll get you know beat by I mean? my mother-in-law if I did that. Oh, did, my goodness. Have you seen that video? I, it was in the United... The, it was uh, the WHO or the UN. Mm-hmm. They were talking, and somebody said, what about Taiwan? And the person said, what? Oh, oh yeah, uh, I can't hear you. What? Oh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> and then he cut the... Fu- he cut the signal. Yeah. He just cut the conversation. <laughs> I remember that. Oh, man, it's I forgot really about that. Clip. Okay, so I remember this story, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell oh. the story. So um, if you all remember the Philadelphia Experiment, there's a lot of bullshit out there about the Philadelphia Experiment. There's a lot of disinfo out there. About... What was that again? Was that the ship? What was this? So the Philadelphia Experiment originally was the ship, the USS Eldridge, um, which was in Philadelphia Bay Harbor that they tried to turn invisible um, by utilizing gaussing cables on the ship, wrapped around the ship, um, utilizing high, fre- high frequency electromagnetic energy um, to see if it would be invisible to radar, which is actually a novel concept because you have very, very minute electromagnetic radiation, RF radiation, radio frequency radiation, which basically is how radar worked back in those days before phased array systems came about. And so by creating an electromagnetic bubble around a big steel metal ship, you would expect that that radio frequency from the very weak and minute radio frequency from the radar would actually be absorbed by canceled out or canceled out by that bubble itself, like kind of like a Faraday cage. Right. Um, And and so the idea was very novel in, in, in concept. And we actually talked about I was in the Navy for 10 years. I worked on these systems. And in, and so we actually talked about this. And it's actually a very, very legitimate idea. Um, so when they did it, though, there's a story that comes about from it. And the story is of a guy in the 1980s who starts remembering various things about himself and his life. His name's Al Balick. And I know this because in 1992, my father ordered a whole bunch of DVDs from Preston Nichols and Al Balick, or VHSs, sorry, VHSs, from Preston Nichols and Al Balick on their story of the Montauk Project. And I remember watching these. And you know what really gets me is the story that Al Balick tells about the future. And I'm going to get into how he got into the future here in a second. But basically, Al Balick doesn't really remember anything. All of a sudden, he starts having these weird memories. And he starts, like, kind of seeing people and remembering faces and um, starts communicating with people and starts seeking out the truth and the answers to maybe where some of these memories are coming from. One day in a grocery store, he runs into this guy by the name of Preston Nichols. And him and Preston are like... Oh my God, I know you from somewhere. Where do we know each other from? And they're both um, highly educated. Preston Nichols was an electrical engineer. And uh, they start talking. And next thing you know, Preston Nichols and him start talking about the same memories of this project that they worked on at Montauk Island in New Jersey. And uh, they start going in our, under hypnotherapy, regression therapy, and start telling the same story, which correlates back and forth with each other. Um, the story is is that Al Balick was a World War II sailor that was stationed on the USS Eldridge, him and his brother. And that Al Balick um, was on board the ship during one of the preliminary test trials of when they were doing 
to make the ship invisible, and people yeah. became embedded into the deck. Yeah, it phase shifted, and and people. It's a nightmare. When you, I remember reading it. I saw pictures. Yeah, that sounds like a nightmare. Oh like, yeah, the, the idea of the, somebody was saying there were people running that were fire. Was that yep. was that part of it? Yeah, Unsolved like, Mysteries actually had this story on there. When there used to Unsolved Mysteries used to be a show on television. Um, so Al Bailey, oh yeah, he jumped off the side of the ship into this gray fog, and yeah. he lands. Um, in the river right next to Montauk base and he starts walking on the shore and there's this guy standing there and he recognizes the guy as John Von Neumann, one of the, in- the founders of IBM, one of the inventors of the modern day computer, mathematical genius. And John Von Neumann, though, is aged about 40 years. And John Von Neumann tells him, hey, look, um, we need you to go back. And he goes, what do you mean go back? And he goes, you just jumped 40 years into the future because what happened is is basically the ship got phased, arrayed into um, hyperspace and created a time loop for 40 years. And they needed him to go back and turn it off. And so he goes back and uh, they, they take him to this chair in Montauk, which they had recovered from an alien aircraft. And mm-hmm. this chair, they call it the mind chair. And you can basically create anything you want, do anything you want. And he goes into the chair, he goes back in, projects himself onto the USS Eldridge, and he shuts it off, and he kills the time loop. But now he's stuck in 1982 or 1983 in Montauk Island, and they begin running a series of tests on this chair with Al Balik because he's the only one who's basically um, encountered this type of radiation from hyperspace before who can handle the effects of the chair. And he starts traveling to the year like 3180. And this is where it gets crazy. So he says he travels to the year 3180 and he's walking down the street and everybody is very docile, very calm, very plain, and very uh, bland. And he starts talking to people. And he starts asking me, you know, hey, how are you? Are you happy? And people are like, yes, I'm incredibly happy. But they lack emotion. And then they start talking about that, uh, you know, Uh do you work? What's going on here? And people don't work. They just live their lives and kind of live in their state of bliss doing whatever they like. And he says, well, how how does society run? And this is is the 1980s when he says this. And they say that there's an artificial intelligence, centralized artificial intelligence system that controls everything within our world. It monitors everybody at every time. They monitor your health. They monitor your brainwaves. They monitor your thoughts. They take care of all production of food, all of society, all the cleanliness of the air, all transportation. Everything is done through this artificial intelligence, which rules and dominates society. Yeah. You wow. ever heard of? You ever seen a psychopath? Wow! No, what is that? The anime. Uh, there's a. It's a really great anime that mi- mixes in a lot of philosophy called Psychopaths. All right, I'll put it on um, my list. It 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 really is great, and they and the society is governed by something called the civil system. The civil system mm-hmm. determines your job based off ap- your aptitudes and so on. Um, and one of the biggest, most powerful scenes that when you see the show, is the scene where she wakes up, and She's in this dark room that suddenly transforms into the environment that she wants after a computer, like like an AI, like a like a little plush, like jelly-like thing that's floating in the air comes and says, "Wake up, wake up!" 
and then the whole room changes and and then her food is generated for her she says when she's taking a shower how many calories she wants and they change the calorie count hmm. of the food that's given to her and it's very likely possible that artificial intelligence uh, or general intelligence or artificial general intelligence will dominate portions of society because i think it already does to an extent, uh, but I mean, a truly separate from human intelligence, which is what you, we would generally call the like artificial general intelligence instead of simply saying artificial intelligence. But the month oh. when you you working in the Navy, last question with that was how many people believed completely in everything in relation to that in the Navy? In the sense of the USS Elderidge, uh, very few. Um, a, a lot of people, I think, I, I've, I've talked to a lot of people in the world. Um, I've interacted with a lot of people in the world. And most people, you know, they don't think outside of the box into these various different worlds. And when they hear things that basically tempt their comfort zones, they tend to regress away from it and completely deny it almost immediately. And so, you know, it's hard to say because most people had never heard those stories before or investigated them themselves to understand that there is viable evidence for these things. And one of the interesting things about Al Balick and Preston Nichols is um, another guy, Phil Schneider, who came forth in the late mm-hmm. 1990s um, who basically had the same type of amnesia. And yeah. for those who don't know Philip Snyder's story, he um, he starts he was working in his backyard one day, and I think he got hit on the head with a hammer or something, and he started having all these memories of, of working in these tunnels and working as a government contractor. He starts going through old files and starts finding all these contract agreements with the federal government. Um, he finds out, you know, he's a structural engineer, a mechanical or a structural engineer, he finds out that he worked as a contractor for the federal government. He was missing three fingers and he starts going under hypnotherapy regression and he starts finding out that he was helping the U.S. federal government build underground military bases mm. and these tunnels. And there was this one time that he was at Mesa Verde um, at the Dulce base and uh, he went down to a tunnel and uh, I think there was a, a special operator team that was with him and an alien stood in front of him and just kind of went like this and shot a beam of light and it took off his fingers when he went to block his face. And, I mean, he came out and started talking about this. The interesting thing about Phil Schneider is five years after talking about this and asking the government to come forth and give the evidence of it, he, uh, he ended up being in a wheelchair because he was being poisoned. He was in a hotel room and... A, in committed suicide by strangling himself with his own catheter while he was in a wheelchair. Which, obviously, that's almost like being hung from a doorknob by a dog leash. Yeah. As in, he didn't commit suicide. (laughs) So, it it kind of legitimizes a little bit of his story that, um, you know, he was fucking murdered. (laughs) I mean, that's the CIA's highest honor right there. I mean... It no, is. There's, a, there's, there's no award out there that you get. It's just eventually the CIA says, "All right, we're done with you." And I mean, that I think uh, what was this? What was this show? Uh, uh, damn, I forgot about it. But going back to the internet and like, let's if okay. the, the biggest test to showing there's something off about the internet. Do a Google search of a, any particular thing, and sh- like if you want to screen share, it, like how weird it gets, 
look for something very that it's going to show you a lot of results and go to the last page and go to the last page and you'll see it's not the amount of results it's saying it is. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, oh no, that's absolutely true. How yeah. many here have seen the movie The 13th Floor? Yes. Long time ago. Not me, damn it. <laughs> Vince, you got to go watch that. All right, hold on. I have list. to rewatch it then. Vince's but, list. Please. Okay, the 13th floor is it's modern day and this uh, father-in-law and guy begin creating this artificial um, simulation. And basically they can upload their consciousness into the simulation of the 1930s and they can kind of walk around and interact with all the avatars in the simulation. And it's very lifelike. Unreal Engine 10.0, right? And, uh, all of a sudden, his father-in-law dies, is murdered. And he believes that the answers to his father-in-law's murder exist within the simulation. Because obviously, this type of technology at this time in, in the existence is incredibly valuable. Someone probably wanted to get the, the technology. Um, and he sees that his father-in-law went into the artificial intelligence system the night before his murder. So. Okay. He goes into the system and he starts walking around asking questions, retracing his father-in-law's steps, sees that he she, he was visiting a young whore, sees that he had a drink at the bar, and he's asking everybody various different questions. Um, eventually what happens is he discovers that he interacted with the bartender and gave the bartender a letter. Um, <clears throat> uh, this is uh, D'Onofrio. Uh, what's his name? Vincent D'Onofrio? I don't know. I'm not familiar. The but, guy who played okay. Sergeant Pyle in uh, um, uh, Full Metal Jacket. Oh, yeah, fuck yeah. it. Yeah. Killing Vincent Oh, yeah. Vincent D'Onofrio. And he's the bartender. Well, anyways, Vincent D'Onofrio yeah. basically um, tries to kill him. And he, he subdues him and he finds out that Vincent D'Onofrio starts basically breaking down. I didn't mean to do it. I am sorry. I, I just couldn't take it. I had to read it. And, and, and I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Why didn't you guys tell him? And he's like, what are you talking about? He goes, it's, it's, it's fake. It's all fake. This isn't real. And Vincent D'Onofrio is talking about his reality, which is fake. It's a simulation. And he didn't realize it was a simulation, which is giving you the understanding that these avatars are conscious of their own existence and petrified that they live in a simulation. And he's sitting there thinking, and he goes, wait a minute. He gave the letter to you, but the letter was for me. What did the letter say? And Vincent D'Onofrio says, the letter says, is pick a destination you've never been to. Somewhere that you've never been to, you've never heard of, and just go and drive there. No matter how many barricades you come in your way, detours that come in your way, just drive through them and just keep on going. And so... He realizes that this message was for him in his real world. He gets out of the simulation and he does exactly that. He goes into the real world and he begins, he picks a place randomly and just starts driving there. He comes to detour after detour and he just busts through every barricade until eventually he comes and sees that his world, supposedly the real world, is just another simulation. He reaches the end. He reaches the end of the simulation. And he realizes his world is a simulation as well. And, and that's what they dude, talk about this reality. That's, right. That's how much of this, this reality. How much stuff on the internet might just be made up stuff on the internet? Like places, oh. people, things that occurred. I mean, we pictures. have problems with the Mandela effect. Oh, yeah. There's things about the Mandela effect that are just human fallibility. And then there's things that you're like, oh, what the? 
No, no. The weirdest <laughs> one is about Roosevelt. Uh, Roosevelt. There was a reason. Well, it's like, how do you spell Roosevelt? Roosevelt. Roosevelt. Theodore Roosevelt. Uh, and there was an interesting thing about that and other things about their names and other people. And then you go further back in time and you notice that Mandela effects were happening for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And that's why people talk about the Large Hadron Collider and potentially the, the when, when you're literally playing with the foundations of physics and, and reality, is, is that shakeup causing, like, imagine, you know, when you grab the, the, eight, the magic eight ball and you shake yeah. it, and you're trying to get a different result every time. So first of all, you're trying to get a different result from a static object that's moving inside of a like a liquid. <laughs> but what what it what that could be is when we're breaking the foundations of physics, then it, the wibbly wobbly brrr, uh, something happens and this goes from blue to red. It's a compensatory universe in the sense mm. is that the universe has to find a level of homeostasis where if something is affected that is placed out of balance it has to react to that imbalance by changing something else to counteract it um philip k dick you guys know who philip k dick is love him okay 1978 philip k dick took part in a symposium of physics on the nature of reality um have, have you seen this this is, I've seen part of it, and I and I experienced what he's experienced, and I didn't know what I was experiencing mm -hmm. until I found other people on the internet, where you, I have lived lives in other realities and in, in dreams. Where one, I was in New York, but it was New Amsterdam. Um, I, we were speaking Dutch, so part of the dream is very hard until we speak back into English. But we were at war with Russia. <laughs> yeah. The landscape was super different. I've had other experiences where other people in my life were alive and other people were dead. I it, it, so he just he talks about that that when he went to sleep, he was living a whole new other world. Uh, if if you want to show something about that conversation, it's really fascinating because when you hear other people are having dreams where they're living mm -hmm. other their other versions of their own lives, like imagine you have a reality skip. But then you come back to this. Well, so Philip K. Dick in the symposium, he goes on to explain that man in the high castle about this guy waking up with the Nazis actually winning World War II, taking over half the United States, was not a work of science fiction, but instead actually his real life. That he says, this is me. This, this, this is a, by my biography. This is real. And he goes... And this is what blew my mind, because this was 1978 that he was talking about this. And he starts saying that we live in a simulation and we can prove it. And as time progresses and technology progresses, it's going to become more and more apparent that we're living in a simulation. All right. And he starts saying that um, there's other people I've talked to. And what happens is you start realizing that you've lived another life or there's parts of your life that don't make sense, that you remember things differently. And he goes, you'll start to see subtle various changes in your reality. One day you'll walk in and you'll notice a tree and a painting has disappeared. Or you'll realize that your tablecloth is now a different color. Or maybe you'll realize that something else within your reality is, um, is completely changed. And this happens not because reality is naturally progressing in a natural format, but because it is a digital simulation that is replicating um, the, the universe on a very, very simplistic and basic level, conserving as much power as possible. And so you're going to see these subtle changes, just like in computer code, um, error correction codes, over time, that basically fix the code. 
And he goes, what people will notice in the future is that they'll start seeing these subtle changes in their reality and start questioning them. And he says something along the lines of, when communication comes so great that we can communicate instantaneously around the world, we'll begin to understand that this is a simulation and people will begin sharing their stories and these stories will be cross-correlated where people will remember those subtle changes from before that have taken place. He was talking about the fucking Mandela effect. Wild. And it makes sense that the Mandela effect never became a phenomenon until 2010 because we didn't have the communication internet infrastructure really set in place until 2010 where people were actually... Yeah, to compare. And here's the thing is, in 1943, for instance, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm talking to my buddy going, dude, I remember your drapes were purple. He was like, no, man, they've already been red. No, man, I'm pretty sure they were purple. No, man, they've always been red. You have nothing to compare. You have no comparative model, right? So you go, oh, I just must be crazy or something, right? But now, now it makes sense why we see these subtle changes. These subtle changes could also be, I love this theory. This is my theory. I like this one. I I claim it, okay? (laughs) Is that the universe, you you create your own universe through the, the mental processes of your interaction of your spirit and your mind and your consciousness all acting in coherence with the universe and we put information out there and the universe reacts to that information and brings about a counter reaction to that information well okay. when, when you have something that you're creating in your life in your in your life and that universe has to use the path of least resistance in order to bring that thing about now the path of least resistance might not be conducive with this reality or this level of the multiverse so what the universe finds is that hey there's a multiverse that is one sliver of a planck's length away from you in frequency i'm just going to subtly shift you over because that conserves more energy for the universe and creating it in the one universe that it can't happen in like a multiverse right and so what actually happens is throughout our lives is we shift back and forth through these multiverse dimensions and what we're seeing now because of technology is these transitional changes that occur within these various small little shifts of the multiverse yeah i was actually just talking to jim about like a great book about that subject called the power of awareness by neville goddard neville goddard yep yeah, never got it. You if you not read it, read that book. It's an incredible book, and yeah, it it's very possible. It could be a mix of things that all come together and construct the reality we're in. And I I love the joke that you'll just walk up to somebody and say a, like uh, hey, by the way, this is not reality. You're living in a fictional universe, and they just walk away. Oh, dude, I had. I was talking about there, Josh. I just sent in the link, and you know, you guys can share it on Red Pill or whatever. You can check it Mm -hmm. out later if you want. But it is totally from. um, It's it's from Batman, like it's from a DC Comics thing where he went to an alternate universe, and the alternate version of him was a guy called Owl Man. Oh, I've seen this. Owl Man explains what you just said to a T about how your choices cause different fractions into different universes and stuff like that and that eventually 
like it's all gotta it's all gotta like conglomerate back to one or something and stuff like it was it was all it was pretty deep like and you know Trippy coming dude. from a cartoon i always say there's more there's more truth in fiction than people are willing to believe me when i'm trying to point it out about them. like it's, it's I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll have to post that to the to the app okay i want to go back a little bit to simulation theory real quick yeah you know okay if this is a simulation which it could be we don't know it's possible those what some top of the mind top minds say it's possible um if this is a simulation then we are bots and each of our own perceptions is kind of like we can only this goes to this um what's that philosophical theory that we were talking about uh solipsism where i can only validate that i exist i don't know that all of you exist so it's like if we're ai and this is a simulation um then obviously uh everything's ai bots even every even actual bots and us on the internet that we created which is a representation of our own reality well, we could, which is a simulation could, hold on we could be this is, yeah. it's a simulation within a simulation essentially anyway so the trippy thing is though i think this the way that our consciousness manifests and how we perceive reality i think we could actually match that inside an artificial intelligence um like convince an ai that it's human so why does it have to be an artificial intelligence yeah good point i mean okay i mean if you if you were really in a simulation would you know what the what the mechanics of it would look like do the sims know what the mechanics of their game look like and can yeah and maybe like the connection we have is that like spiritual connection to the spirit or the uh sure. one mind how many jellyfish know what the outside looks like none how many... I, I mean, I know octo they octopi, brains, do they? octopi, they have they probably do. So, octopi have brains through a Octopi system. are aliens, bro. So, well, <laughs> how about this? How about, hold on, hold on. When I was in, uh, I was going to see you, Boulder, and I was taking, I forgot which class it was. I think it was uh, one of the, the quantum physics classes that we took, intro to the, the quantum physics or something. We were sitting down and we were, we had to watch the, um, the is like six hour long discussion by world renowned scientists on simulation theory. Brian Green, Neil deGrasse Tyson, uh, Stephen Hawkins was there, right? And um, after the discussion, yeah, the professor comes out and he starts talking about simulation theory and how many people think that the universe is a simulation. And I raised my hand and I said, um, "There's a problem here." And he's like, "Well, what's the problem?" And I said, "We're we're comparing." the universe to a man-made creation that we call a simulation. A simulation in our reality is a computer-based program. That computer-based program is based upon the same fundamental dynamics and laws as the universe that we exist in. It only exists because atoms came together in a quantum state. Molecules were formed. Those molecules formed molecules of silicon and silicon dioxide, which were able to be shaped into circuit cards. Those circuit cards were able to be doped and manipulated. And the doping and manipulating the, the laws of electromagnetism bring about the ability to create an environment that we call a simulation. And I think it's very disingenuous to call the universe a simulation when in actuality a simulation is just a very rudimentary universe because it's mimicking the same forces and dynamics of the actual universe, right? That's exactly what we're doing. We're just replicating our reality 
within a computer-based reality. So that makes a simulation a very rudimentary universe. And who's to say that our universe isn't very much similar in the sense of a computer program or these things, just highly, highly more advanced, but in a natural, phenomenal state? I mean, if you like, there's the ancestor simulation theory that we're if we go and create simulations that are advanced enough, there's a very high likelihood this is actively an ancestor simulation that is just looking back and we are a representation of a human being that existed on Earth potentially a thousand or 500 years ago. And actually the year is 2574 and somebody's playing the simulation right now looking at back uh, from like a weird any yeah. point I view of the entire planet just running a running a a play like yeah you're watching a play I remember uh, doing uh, ceremonies like one 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 vision said everything's a play this is all a show like you're just watching a show enjoy the show and realize that you're in the show mm-hmm. and you're part of the show. Um, and if you can look at it from the perspective of where's the where's the computation happening, then you can look at the other dimensions of reality mm-hmm. and that we, we can only perceive reality in four dimensions and what you did call the fifth dimensional beings with people, if you consume things like ayahuasca or dimethyltryptamine, people have experienced what some perceive as conceptually the fifth or sixth, gener- sixth dimensional beings, beings that live beyond the concept of what we understand as reality and that they are actually the creators and in the instrument keepers of what can facilitate everything around us and manipulate reality of us because it, for their enjoyment some to some extent because they're beyond us so to uh, to them we're kind of like uh like pets <laughs> well so in the sense of spirituality, and this is an interesting take on what you're talking about here, is that what if this is a, in a sense, a highly technologically advanced simulation created by a, a, a highly ascended, you know, spiritual community, right? So what if we, what if human beings have long since ascended into energy in the next dimensional level, and that we realize that the best places that we had to learn about life and love and emotion and all these things were in our physical form 500, 1,000, 10,000, a million years ago. And so what we did is we created various different replicate simulations of which we reincarnate or incarnate into as avatars. So we go out and experience this. But here's the thing is when we die, we have all these stories in this incarnate nature, incarnate nature of going to this place that's all very, very similar in nature, that there's these ascended spiritual light beings and there's all this stuff happening and there's a whole different world out there and it's different. I can't tell you how, but it's different. And what if that was just us in our natural state of existence <clears throat> through our different evolution? I mean, how that's many... us alive. This is us yeah, sleeping. That's exactly that's us it. Alive. Yeah. Yeah. This is the dream. I mean... Row, 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 like that. Nothing's but a dream. Merrily, 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 merrily. Life is but a dream. You know, I guess in kind of going along with that, there was a there was this experiment done a few years back that I can I can share with you guys. Actually, I was just looking for it to make sure I could bring it up. Where um, it's pretty it's pretty much confirmed that reality doesn't exist if you're not looking at it. Like there's like a specific point 
mm-hmm. they've like proven this with like the hard on collider and stuff like that. That like it, double it, slit test, right? No, this is a this is a more advanced version of the double. Yeah, slit, is it more right? advanced version of the double slit? It's a more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard way about this. Yeah, yeah, way more advanced version of it. And then, but it like I mean, but it ba- it does it basically proves that until something is viewed, you you can't. So it doesn't exist. Correct. Now, here's the beautiful thing about this that scientists won't even conceptualize yet because they lack the fucking frontal lobes to do it. Or enough drugs in their system. Or enough drugs in their system. And this is, I know this because of the experiencing of LSD that I did when I was younger. In order to exist or be observed, anything, I don't care what it is, it's a relationship, it's a dualistic phenomenon. Which means that if you are observing something, that something is also observing and aware of you. And that is the only way that two things exist within this universe inherently. Is that two things have to observe each other. So when we talk about the double slit experiment, and we talk about the observation of the particle or the wave, the reason that this happens is because the conscious entity has to observe it and it has to observe or interact with the conscious entity whether that's electromagnetically whether that's uh, through gravitationally or any other laws of physics that bring this about either way there's a relationship developed between the observer and that which is observed and that's what brings in the fundamental understanding or the fundamental reality as it actually is and so what we're, Jim Bob was just talking about there is if something is not observed it does not exist within this reality and it's very, very true because if it's only singular observant, it doesn't exist because there's nothing to observe it. That reminds me of that feeling you get when someone's watching you. Well, actually, I see how that ties back into the thing that Luis was talking about, about somebody like playing it back and watching uh-huh. it. You know, is is there a single observer out there maybe like re-watching everything that's going on that's why we're getting closer and closer to realizing it's a simulation oh like our matrix that <laughs> part of the reason they selected that time period was because of the abundance and everything was good what time are we talking about that was the best time the 1990s mm-hmm. isn't it funny that the matrix selected to also simulate the 1990s that, that was totally and the peak I, of this civilization here and then other people talk about what was when everything was good. I mean, it's the the visual idea, the American point the of view. The late 80s, yeah. 90s, bro, that was gorgeous. That was a beautiful but, period. But oh, half the amazing. planet was at war. There was over 125 wars happening in the 80s. But that's what I mean. But we had peace. <laughs> chill here. It was chill here, man. Um, there's so what? Now, currently, there's what? Six wars happening right now? Something like that. There's like 30 conflicts happening. Or just or just one, depending on who you ask. Yeah. Oh, you mean World War Three? I mean, yeah, we've been we've been inside of World War Three for probably I would say World War Three kind of really started uh with Ukraine. Uh that was kind of like the entire planet is in on it now. So what about the theory that uh, that the earth actually ended in twenty twelve? And that we're all basically in that hypnagogic state of death all yeah. at the same time. Well, if we're going by the Ethiopian calendar, 2020 was 2020. Exactly. 2020. And, and remember, apocalypse never meant, and what even the Mayans. It's it the never great unveiling. And, it, and yeah, it never meant that 
It's a Coptic word that means the great unveiling, and it's uh, referencing the uh, Isis of Sace, the primordial goddess, the lifting of her veil to reveal the secrets and the mysteries of the universe. Which is happening right now. It it absolutely 100% is. Now more than ever. I'd definitely say that, because, like, I... That, you know, thanks to the, this great unveiling, I've got to come across like, like you guys. I used, I was alone for so long out here doing this on the internet, not maybe in this form, but in many different forms for years. And then all of a sudden, boom, apocalypse. And now all you people are like, hey, wait, this guy knows what he's talking about a little bit. He's not just a crazy guy in a pirate hat. <laughs> well, you got the memo. You're just way ahead of everybody. So, so I, I guess so. I don't know. I just remember sitting there and just being like, something's off. Like, this doesn't, you know, the, what they're teaching me in this school doesn't align with what they're trying to tell me is how this all started. And, you know, it just, it, it, it branched from there. You know, like I used, I remember, I remember being in like middle school being like, well, why are you guys paying taxes then? And they're just like, well, uh, 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 excuse <laughs> after excuse. And I'm just like, but you literally like took, you know, revolted an entire kingdom like the greatest kingdom on earth at the time that had taken over the rest of the world practically and you guys a bunch of bunch of corn farmers threw them over somehow you know guerrilla warfare and yet yet you guys can sit back and let them take 40 percent from you on a regular basis now if not more yeah you know i mean taxation is theft let's always state that okay well it is it is but now how about this so do you guys know, like, okay, we're coming up on the top of the hour here. Um, typically, we're going to end this show at this time. We're going to go into Fringe After Dark in 30 minutes. Um, but if you guys want, we can go for a little bit longer. And by the way, both of you are more than welcome to join us in uh, Fringe After Dark. It's just a subscription show that we do. Um, we just do it a half an hour after this show ends. But um, think about the Trump conspiracies pertaining to um, what was his name's book? Baron oh. Trump, Little Baron Trump's yeah. Adventures. Oh, that that is no the second book. That's yeah, the last president. When they attack the president in Fifth Avenue, New York, I'm like, what in the fuck? That's yeah. So, so what? What if this really is a fucking simulation? And what if there were certain cues that were left behind to wake people up slowly over time? I mean, how how tall is Baron Trump? Six seven? Yeah, he's a monster. He's a giant. No, and the weirdest thing is like, what if Baron Trump is like, well, I mean, Ivanka, I mean, Ivanka um, Melania. Like his, Melania is a very smart woman herself. Uh, so it could be that Baron is actually really, really smart. Um, and it'd be crazy if the idea of the last president means the last president of what we consider the Republic of the yeah. United States. That's what, it doesn't mean the end, the last, just means potentially the, the last president of what we consider the current Republic as it, which it stands now. And after that, it becomes something else, something new, which I don't see the United States being what it is today in 50 years. I see something no. different. I don't see this I version. See different existing. in 10 years, but it'll start reshaping for sure in 10 years. I bet I'll think it'll take a long time for, for the true scale of change to. I change, I changed my pronouns on LinkedIn today. Oh, oh, do you really add? I did not I did. I master Jedi Ron. Oh, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, you can put whatever you want. You can put put custom. You want. Fuck yeah. Yeah. You know what? I I work with too many people that can get offended by that those jokes. Well, 
It's not a joke. It's not a joke. I identify as Master Jedi Ron, okay? By not identifying me as such is a fucking act of violence against me. All right? I am Master Jedi Ron. When, okay. Instead of he or they, you're going to call me Master Jedi Ron. That's just, it's just that. It's, it's that oh, simple. I didn't know you were Master. Sorry. It's, it's Master okay. Jedi Master Jedi. I, 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 I misgendered you. I, I didn't know. You, you did. It's okay. It, it's okay. Everybody has that one get out of jail free card. Yeah. You're not supposed to ask, otherwise I would have asked. Um. <laughs> that that was so <laughs> fucked up. Well, you're you're not supposed to ask, but you know what? When they're ready, then you can ask. Who, who said that? That was recently, right? Yeah, it was, it, was this, it was just... I was like, what? So we're supposed to play the guessing game. Yeah. They're, they said, don't ask them. They'll ask you when yeah, they're ready. It's like, wait, I, so they're going to break the rule? Yeah. I am all for respecting people's perception of self. Yeah, agreed, like, 100%. Sure. Said that makes complete sense, right? We love everybody, too, and... Yeah, 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 it's just the neo pronouns, which are very hard to pronounce or impossible to pronounce, um, and, it, and it really is more of an yeah, that individual imposing a power authority over another individual. Mm, that's what it's really about. Canadian government. I think and, AI propels this kind of ideology. In well, it's our not AI. It's, it's agenda driven things. The UN actually well, started pushing this through the school systems in the United States. Mm-hmm. It was the UN that started this 10 years ago. <laughs> well, I totally just figured out how to do it, and mine totally says that I'm a pirate. There you go. Pirate. Cool. Nice. But, but here's the thing. is You are a pirate. <laughs> you are a pirate, right. Well, here's the thing. is I have no problem identifying somebody as their identity as such. But don't look at me as a white cis male and automatically assume I don't care about your feelings or your identity. And that's usually what happens is that these 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 types of people we can't identify because I don't sadly, know their gender they're identity. They're, 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 they're those individuals that have those negative thoughts of any individual just because of the color of the skin, of how they look, or anything of the sort. They themselves are the racist, and they don't realize that because of brainwashing. Right. But that's the thing is don't just assume because I'm a conservative, white, cis male – that I don't care about your feelings or your self-identity or who you are, right? It's not the case. If you come up to me and tell me you're a fucking cat and you go, meow, I'm probably going to have problems with you. Meow. That's how we started. Two separate episodes call me a colonizer on my own show. Th- there you go. They call you a colonizer? Yeah, I colonized you, a colonizer. Yeah, you! A family of goats. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Look, I'm from Puerto Rico, which we're, we, were an, we are an actual freaking colony. And, you know, some people look at me and they're like, oh, you're white passing. I'm like, what do you mean, white passing? What the? Like, the first time somebody called that to me, I was like, what? Stop playing that I'm living in a world of privilege when, like, you don't know my story. And, even other friends of mine that grew up white, they're like, you don't know my story. What are you yeah. calling about privilege? Like, we're not even discussing privilege. We were yeah. not at all discussing any of that, but people just brought it but in. You know, you know who the most there. racist of them are? White liberals. Oh. <laughs> the ones that hate themselves. Well, the ones that hate themselves, yeah, white liberals. I mean, but uh, anyways, about that conversation. It's just another problem. Uh, yeah. You know what I think it is? It's, is it's I think the that machine is supporting it. That's well, the thing. The I think the simulation breaks down over time. 
is that the more and more the people become aware of the simulation, the more destabilized the simulation gets and begins to break down. And you start why seeing... Biden keeps glitching on TV? Yeah, probably. You know, Oh, there's a compilation of him going to different... It's happened multiple times. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but I think the it's a demon. I think it's actually the demons. That's what I thought, demons. dude. It's actually seeing the demons in his mind. Like he's That's... actually seeing them. He's yes. that look. He's that evil. They come to get him, like in. They're uh, coming like to get him. Or whatever, or, or, uh, Someone should Photoshop the devil in that one photo. Then. Oh, dude. I mean, he, he he. I mean, Peter Pete. Oh. Sorry, Pete. I, I think that's. Said. um <laughs> So oh, whatever. So when we look at this, though, what if really right right now is we're coming to the end of the simulation? Is that each simulation has a certain time frame of which it will last before people can become technologically advanced to begin to understand what that simulation is and that where they're actually living in one. And then when it comes to that point, basically, the simulation artificially creates scenarios where society, culture, politics all destabilize and everybody kills themselves to restart the simulation over again. Or destroys each other. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. That makes a lot more sense than what the fuck's happening right now in the world. I mean, <laughs> I am thankful that none that that's not going to happen. Uh, that we're not going to self implode <laughs> each other. We're actually going through a rough patch, and I truly believe that humanity is going in collectively going in the right direction. What about NPCs? Look like it. NPCs are just part of the the reality of human race. Is that there's a group of people which is a big chunk of it, probably 60, 70%, maybe <laughs> a little more of the population that just follows. And, you know, given people reign to control their lives, then you wouldn't see the concept of NPC, but because of the, co- the, the, co- the way society is structured um, in, in mass media and Hollywood, because Hollywood is an instrument of control, an instrument of propaganda. And it's one of the main reasons you have every, you've never heard of Hollywood economics. That's a whole back can of worms and how the United States government has been creating this giant media apparatus and has been funding it for decades and decades in order to create the mass control that you see today with the Western right. world. But but what if that was just to control the NPCs into the systematic destruction and it was brought about by the main AI that operates and controls the simulation because the simulation is becoming destabilized because those ones that are actually here in the simulation that are real people occupying avatars are beginning to realize they live in a simulation. What if one of the reasons they want to depopulate the earth is because there's too many, too many uh, avatars having influence over the, the direction of the simulation. There you go. I mean, when you start to conceptualize reality, which like is on this, the power of um, power of awareness, it begins to make a little bit more sense. Doesn't it? Yeah. And I, I'm curious to know, do you guys think that the activity on the internet is bots? Of it, yes. Is the internet dead? Not all of it. I would say parts of the internet definitely you you could feel that. I think Facebook's the worst. Facebook is the oldest. Not even. Isn't Google a little? I I think it goes through waves. I I think I think it goes through waves. I've seen I've seen my own AI on um, on TikTok, for example. Like when a server was down. Check this out. A server was down one time for TikTok, and. When I went to log in, I had like uh, like 
3,000 followers less than I normally do. And when I logged back in 15 minutes later, when that server came back up, those followers were back. It's because those followers were shut down for that short period of time. All oh, that happened on Twitter that the, the day that he, one of the days Elon was doing something with Twitter, suddenly a lot of uh, left, like I don't know, liberals, like or left, like the left, lost a lot of followers, and then a lot of people on the right gained yeah. a lot of followers. It was a really was, weird event because one person mm-hmm. gained a hundred thousand in a day. Well, yeah. well they, they like vanished for a few moments, but then they were like right back. Like it was just like that server was down for a few minutes. So, so those AI bots were gone. Like I, I don't doubt for a second that followers that I have, like on you know across social media and stuff like that, are totally bots. Do I interact with some of them? Sure. Do I interact with all of them? No, because sometimes you really can pick a bot out from the others because it looks like they're having a stroke in the comment section. <laughs> You see it in celebrities' comment sections. It yes. looks like everything's the same, and out of the blue, oh, yeah. ooh, a human. Yeah. A human. <clears throat> a human. Yeah, I think so. I agree. Well, you know, it would be really cool if you could actually monitor um, geographical traffic in real time. And what I mean by that is not the actual analytical traffic that enters into the website, but where the source location, where the source servers are coming from, and where the distribution pattern from those source servers come from. So you can actually find real-time hot sites that real people are on on the internet that are communicating. There is, well, the, like the, 4chan. I, we know the, and a, well, we know, we know the, that the U.S. government has direct access to uh, snapshots of the internet every single day, and they do this in... Um, they do this in just in the main pipes. So there's pipes, you know, that connect the rest of the world yeah. to the United States and the United States to the rest of the world. And there's one, for example, in Virginia. Um, but what I'm getting to is when it comes to understanding this and seeing this, they they can get the top view because they can see everything unencrypted. Uh, but imagine, for example, for example, how do you know a certain region of the air of the area you live in is getting sick? Just look at the sales of cough syrup and things right. like that. If if governments had intention to understand health, they just look at shopping patterns. They, to they, predict you if geofence a geographical area. You geofence a geographical area. You look at movement patterns. You look at how many people are going to the doctors, calling the doctors, making doctors appointments. How many people are going to the uh, the Walmart, Walgreens, so forth, buying cough medicine. It's easy, but this is not what Singapore, they do. Sing- Singapore did this, and that's how they figured out that asymptomatic spread doesn't exist when Asympt- it came to, Asympt- to, that, yeah. to that thing. Yeah. Uh, because they did a study, basically, because they tracked every single citizen. Uh, in, in Wuhan, they did a 10, I think 8 to 10 million study. Same thing. They realized, oh, asymptomatic doesn't happen. Hmm. All they had to do was do a correlation of the data points and then realize, oh, if you look at all of the data, it shows that that wasn't true and i don't know why we kept saying it cool yeah well hey guys we're gonna go to fringe after dark here in about i would say 20 minutes uh 15 20 minutes uh about 20 minutes so we're gonna be about five uh five after the mid hour so 35 after the hour we're gonna go to fringe after dark if you're interested in going to fringe after dark please go join socialredpill.com that is our private social network of tons of people just like you that are collaborating talking um and uh, links will be 
join up there. For everybody on Zoom, we'll see you here in a little bit. And for everybody else on YouTube, you're going to join us for Fringe After Dark. We'll see you guys there. Thank you, Jim, Bob, Lewis, and Vince for joining me tonight. What a great conversation. My I'm pleasure. I'm sure you guys will be back again. Uh, you guys have a great night, and we'll see you guys again next time. Take care. Good night.